As I said uh, earlier <clears throat> in this particular study, I've wanted to, uh, I guess, follow the activity of the Lord as he's approaching uh, the crucifixion. And so we've been following, you know, four weeks out last week, three weeks, two weeks, one week. We're going to ultimately end up uh, on Easter trying to uh, understand, and that's, I guess, my, my point or my purpose is to understand the resurrection. Um, we need to understand the power of God. And so what I wanted to do is, is to show as Jesus is approaching the final days of his ministry, I wanted to show how that the power of God, which was the dunamis uh, of, of the resurrection, that it's not limited to the resurrection. The power of God is, as we saw uh, last week, and we see, we will see this week, the power of God is given and promised to each and every one of us, wherever we are, in whatever stage of our life that we find ourselves in. The significance of that will be seen in the resurrection. Because in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see that it was through and by the power of God that the impossible happened. And it was that which happened, which we celebrate today, uh, that we serve uh, a living Savior. But if we only look at the resurrection and its attachment with the power of God, we are missing what God has promised his children on every other day other than Easter. And so uh, what I wanted to do is I want to uh, look at various things as he moves each week, things that were significant to the Lord, and, uh, and, and see how that even as he was approaching, we can only explain certain things through the power of God. I mean, only by the power, only by something that we do not possess, and it's not within our own uh, ability ourselves. But I, I keep going back to what Jesus had previously said, which with men, certain things are just impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. And that's what needs to set on our minds. We need to wrap our minds around that. With God, nothing is impossible. And so this morning, we're going to look at, it's a few weeks out from, he's making his way to Jerusalem. We find that uh, there is an occasion that we all have learned from probably children up, and that is uh, Jericho. Now, as he's moving, he's, he's come from another area, Caesarea, and he's moving, and Jericho is, is a town that is really just east, about 20 miles 
from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem sits up on, a, on kind of a mountain range, and that's why in the Old Testament, Jerusalem is called Mount Zion. It's higher. Jericho, on the other hand, <clears throat> being to the east of it, is, is down in a low place, what we call where it, you have the Rift Valley. And in that valley, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's harsh, um, it's hot, um, but Jericho was different. Jericho was a town, was a city, that uh, the main road from Jerusalem went to Jericho, and then the main road out of Jericho went to, to the Jordan uh, Valley and down through there. So it was a very instrumental city. And so it's natural that we see that Jesus had entered and was passing through Jericho. Um, but the occasion that happened, to me, illustrates, again, another dimension of the power of God. And, of course, I believe and I hope and I'm looking forward to the power of God to not leave me in the grave, as we will study on Easter. But until I get to the grave, I'd like to think that the power of God is, is with me and helps me. This is an occasion where we'll see how that the power of God is able to help someone in their lives, where they were, who they were, and what they did. And yet it was the power of God that lay behind this dialogue that we'll see in this uh, meeting that this man Zacchaeus had with Jesus. It was the power of God. It wasn't just the presence of the rabbi. It was, it was what was behind the rabbi, what strengthened the Lord. And so anyway, um, when we think of power, just for a working, kind of a working idea, power, the idea of power, the word power means the ability to do something effectively. Uh, it, it, it means that if, if I have power to do something, I am able. I am able to do the possible, even though it may be in a framework of impossible. The reason I'm able to do something impossible is because I have the power to do it. And so power is that. Now, the opposite of power, I think, is very interesting also. If I don't have power, <clears throat> then I have an inability. I am unable uh, to... Um, to affect any kind of change whatsoever. Uh, I, I, I don't have the sense that uh, I can change something, and so I, if I try something, I would be incompetent. All right, That's a lack of power. Or helplessness. What we're going to see this morning is that Zacchaeus himself, he had the inability to change his life. You know, he just wasn't able to, we find, he was um, helpless to do anything about where he was, but then he met Jesus, and Jesus had the ability to effectively change everything in Zacchaeus' life. The upshot of that is, if 
the power of God can help Zacchaeus. The power of God can help us in our lives. Jesus entered into and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, because he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, he looked up, And he saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus, he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. Now, those that were watching, when they saw it, they all complained, saying, Well, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, and he can do so because he has the power of God, and that means that Jesus Christ has the ability to do effectively what needs to be done in anyone's life. He is able, even though to others it may seem impossible, Jesus is able because of the power of God to do that which seems unlikely. Now, it's interesting here, as in, and allow me again to think, of, I'm going to think aloud for a bit, and just kind of, we may pinball through some things, but ultimately I'm getting to, a, to some points at the end, all right? This is not the first time that Jesus has been criticized for seeking to make a change in people's lives. In fact, We can read in Luke chapter 7 when Jesus called Matthew to become a disciple. Matthew also was a tax collector. Now, he may not have been as wealthy as Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Matthew was just a tax collector and probably very successful. But we can read in the the book of Luke that when Jesus saw Matthew or Levi, he simply said to him, follow me. And so Matthew got up and left his tax booth and followed him. Now, now when Matthew left, he decided, I want other people to hear this man, Jesus. You know, Jesus was just beginning his ministry. So Matthew, and he could afford it, uh, threw a great, a great banquet in honor of Jesus. And who did he invite? He invited all of his friends. Who were all of his friends? Other tax collectors and other sinners and everybody. Church people weren't invited, all right? That was one day. They were not invited, but everyone else was. Now, when he had that, 
There were others there who were, who were the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They complained to the other disciples and says, well, why, why does your master eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus just turned to them and he answered them directly. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call righteous people, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. Now he's able to do that because, again, of the power of God that he knows will make these changes. Now, Jericho, another interesting thing about Jericho as we move on is that Jericho was a very, very wealthy city by necessity because it was the city, as I say, in between two ways, um, palm trees. My memory of it is orange groves and, and, and balsam. Uh, you know, they, they, had a, they have a, a, a plant, and it was very aromatic as we approached, and we hiked, and we came down, and very aromatic um, when we were coming to Jericho. And I was so glad to see greenery because it was just like out of nowhere. Beautiful city. In fact, in fact history tells us, uh, you know, Josephus called it the city of palms. Uh, it was just beautiful, and it still is or was beautiful. So it was a very, very important place. But, but under, let's look at this. Zacchaeus, he had everything in place. He was at the right place, Jericho. He was a chief tax collector, all right? That meant that he kind of set the, uh, he set the rules as to who and what would be paid and they couldn't argue with him, and so he was able, as many of the tax collectors were able to do, levy a tax on someone and then make sure that they keep a little bit back for themselves just as long as they paid the Roman Empire. So he was able to become very, very wealthy, all right? Uh, great city, great setting, great position, yet here's what we know. Zacchaeus must have not been very happy because we know from the reading that once he heard Jesus was coming, he wanted to see him and he wanted to hear him. He was curious. Sometimes people will say, well, he was just curious, perhaps. But our experience with people who love money is they don't let anything get in the way of money. Their curiosity is always about money, not about other things. And yet, this tells me, at least it indicates to me, that Zacchaeus, though he had all these other things, he still was not able to procure or find happiness, the kind of happiness that seems so elusive uh, to him. I'm sure he had heard, because it had been several years now that Jesus had been teaching throughout Palestine, I'm sure he had heard about this teacher, this rabbi, who was a friend of sinners and tax collectors. And so he wanted to hear. Why? Well, perhaps maybe Zacchaeus was hopeful that he could hear something that would help him. He could hear some words, something. 
And I think that from this, again, I would like to reemphasize that even though he had all of these things in place in his life, there was still a level of helplessness as far as Zacchaeus was concerned. Um, he was an outcast, all right? He was um, not very tall. People hated him. I mean, they hated, um, you know, anyone who would take their money, and they considered them thieves. They considered them sinners. In fact, they were, they were not allowed in the synagogue if you were a tax collector. Why? Well, because they were Jewish, but yet they had sold out and become a Roman procurer of money, and so they were viewed as traitors to their own people. So they were not allowed into the synagogue. So Zacchaeus was one that uh, perhaps he knew, and I think he did know of God being a Jew. I think uh, maybe at an early age he had learned and studied and knew some things, but when he made that choice to become a tax collector, all of that was in his past, and so he probably had gone through quite a few years, a dry spell, as it were, from hearing the words of God. And so I can easily imagine why he wanted to hear him. He wanted to hear a teacher. He wanted to hear something. Why? Out of curiosity? No. I think that he wanted to hear something because he himself knew that there was just a void in his life. Why do I say that? I don't, it doesn't say that. Well, I know about voids. I know about the void of the heart. I know about the shadows of the night. I know about those things just like you do. We all do. Live long enough and everything. We all sense that we have a need. We know we need help. We just don't know how to do it. We don't have the wherewithal. Uh, I remember growing up, you know, you'd go to church camps and everything, and everybody would go down to the altar at the end of the camp and everything, and it, usually it'd last about two weeks, you know. And then you get back, and then... You're fighting the same old battles again. That's, that's our way of dealing with it. We try, we try over and over again, but yet we're helpless. So Zacchaeus heard that he was coming. He knew which way Jesus was going to come. Because like I say, there was one road in and one road out. He knew where Jesus was going to be, so he ran ahead of the crowd, climbed up a sycamore tree, which we have a couple of them, one of them's huge out here, you can see how large they are, climbed up a sycamore tree where he could see what was going on. Now, in the summer, or in the spring at this time, the sycamore trees are very, uh, have a lot of leaves and everything, they can't hardly see, but what's interesting is that um, Jesus stopped underneath that tree and looked up through the leaves and saw him. And not only saw him, he called him by name, Zacchaeus. Even if Zacchaeus was kind of hiding from the crowds behind the leaves, I can imagine that when he heard his name Zacchaeus by the Lord, he kind of peeked out from that leaves. I've also wondered... How did he know Zacchaeus? Well, obviously, he knows everything, but I've kind of wondered. I wonder if Matthew told him. There's a tax collector. I sure wish you could help once we get to Jericho. 
He is a bad, bad person. I don't know. doesn't matter. All I know is the Lord stopped right there and called his name. But what's important about that is that Zacchaeus knew where Jesus was going to be. And I'm convinced that people today know exactly where they can find help if they would just go and find it. Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus. The fact that he climbed that sycamore tree says to me that, you know, maybe deep down buried amongst all the numbers and the dollars and the gold and everything, buried underneath there was something that he had some hope. For what? Something good. Have a good friend. And I told him before he gave his life to the Lord, I told him, I believe there's good in you. Of course, he would cuss me and say no. But I told him, I believe there's good in you. And ultimately, he sought God and found the good. Changed his life. All because of the power of God. Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus because I think deep down there was a hope of some sort. Then we find where Jesus, he came down, they went to the house. We're not told a lot about what was said. Sometimes when you read this passage, it just sounds like all of a sudden Zacchaeus came down and then he received him joyfully and then all of a sudden uh, you know, everything was over. I don't know. When he received him joyfully, the scriptures say, that means he came into the house. And into that house, they had a conversation. I'm convinced. They had to have. They had to have had it. Now, we don't know what it is, but I can... I, I'm going to imply some things from that conversation this morning because... I think that what we read is that when Zacchaeus, when it was all done, what he said is very interesting. He said, Lord, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. He could have done that at any point, right? I mean, he had the ability to do that. He had the ability to restore. He had the ability to stop stealing. He had the ability to stop any kind of fraud. He had that ability, but yet he wasn't able to do it. He, I mean, he had the opportunity, not the ability. But something took place that gave him the ability to do that. And therein lies the power of God. The power of God is able to change us and our inabilities to an ability to do good. When I was reading this, I, 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 and I was going through this, it's interesting that no one accused him. He self-confessed. In other words, uh, basically what he is saying is, Lord, if I have done, if I have taken, I would give half my goods to the poor. If I've taken anything from anyone false... I restore fourfold. You know, 
that falls in line with what we know. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus did here. And, and when he said all that, Jesus said then, Today salvation is come to your house, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was willing to show something that not many people are willing to show. In fact, we're very guarded. He was willing to show that his heart was changed. All right. So we see the sequence. He felt helpless. He had some hope. Then something happened in his heart. And whatever happened in his heart, there is what made that change. A lot of people will say, if they were to see someone like Zacchaeus or Mary Magdalene or whoever, they say, well, you know, they're going to church now. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it, you know. Well, the thing is, is that Zacchaeus showed what had taken place in his heart, his actions. Um, as this account ends, when Jesus says the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost, very interesting word here, lost. It doesn't mean lost so much as a sinner. It, it has, a, has some more nuances to it that I think are very appropriate here. What it means is, a lot of times, misplaced, like the lost coin, the lady with the lost coin, misplaced, all right, misplaced, or it can mean out of place, something is out of place, or displaced. Well, all three of these apply to Zacchaeus. At some point, he had misplaced his belief in God and misplaced his desire to do good and was doing his own thing. The other thing was he found himself out of place. He had no country. He had no people. He had no friends. Even the Roman Empire, you know, even as a tax collector, all they were interested in was his ability to get money and get it to them. They didn't care about him. So he was, in fact, out of place, had no place. And then displaced. He was just unhappy. There's no reason that can explain why he sought to see Jesus, except I hope he has something to help me. So that leads me to this statement. The power of God always lies behind an impossible action. And when we look at certain people or certain scenarios or certain circumstances, we are kind of like the Pharisees. You know, that won't happen, or why does he do that, or why? The reason is because we don't understand what the power of God is able to accomplish. God is able, we're not. And so we throw up our hands and we say, well... You know, I'll believe it if they, yeah, they can go to church all they want, but I know what kind of person that is, or I know what he did to me, or this or that. Yes, of course. We all have those skeletons we drag behind us. Seem like we can't shake them. They do clacking of the chains all the time. Except when the power of God comes into our life. And when we allow the power of God to come into our life, the miraculous happens. There's an Old Testament passage I would like to share with you, and I won't take a long time, but to me it captures 
the ability of the power of God, God's ability to do the most unbelievable things. Book of Ezekiel. We know it as the Valley of Dry Bones, all right? Book of Ezekiel, we have an account where Ezekiel, a prophet, was taken by the Spirit of the Lord, taken out into a valley. And in that valley, the Lord asked Ezekiel, he said, what do you see? Ezekiel said, well, I see just a, a valley of dry, dead bones. And then the Lord asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, well, Lord, I don't know. You know. And then the Lord said, prophesy to these bones, Ezekiel, and tell them this. I will cause breath to come into these bones. I will cause muscle to come on these bones. I will cause sinews to come to these bones. And I will breathe my breath and they shall live. Tell the bones that. So Ezekiel said exactly that. And what's interesting, <laughs> what's interesting is what Ezekiel then observed, the impossible. Valley of dead bone, dry bones. God said, come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe on these slain that they may live. And what Ezekiel heard, he said, I heard rattling, I heard shaking, I saw the bones rise up, and there stood before me a great and exceeding armor. Therein lies the understanding of the power of God. And if God can raise up a valley of dead, dry bones, he certainly can change the life of a man named Zacchaeus. And if he can change Zacchaeus, he sure can change us in our lives. So the power of God is always behind that which is an impossible action. But secondly, the power of God is always behind an unbelievable change like Zacchaeus. Here's what I imagine in my mind, and I'm not going to take license. I'm just going to, I'm going to draw from my own, my own thoughts. Zacchaeus received him joyfully. They walk in the house. He's anxious, Zacchaeus is, to find out something. And the moment that Jesus started speaking, Zacchaeus understood what the scriptures mean when it says his word was with power. Did you know that the gospels say over and over and over again, a variation of this, that when the multitudes would hear Jesus Christ speak or teach, they were stunned by his authority. They were amazed at his words. Put that in a house, one-on-one, -on -one, and you can imagine Zacchaeus just being stunned by what Jesus was saying. What was Jesus saying? Well, what he says to us, what he has said to us. You're sad, but you can, be, you can be happy. You can have joy. You can be loved. You can be forgiven. And Zacchaeus just sat there, stunned, because of the power of his word. I think that when he started talking, when Jesus started talking to him about his sins and about his life and everything, 
I think Zacchaeus, perhaps for the first time in a long time, realized that even though he had been living yet dead inside, he was hearing words from Jesus that were saying he could be alive again. I imagine that took place. Why do I say that? Experience. Just personal experience. I think that Zacchaeus, even though he had heard and was familiar, perhaps let's say childhood stories as we all are, I had favorite ones growing up. Favorite stories, you know. But I was ignorant of the scriptures. And because I was ignorant of the scriptures, I was ignorant, as Jesus said, of the power of God. Because from the scriptures, you learn about the power of God. And so Zacchaeus is sitting there, and as Jesus begins to share with Zacchaeus what he's willing to do, what God is willing to do, What's that? Well, same thing he told Nicodemus. God so loved the world, Zacchaeus, that he's going to give his only begotten son. Even though you're condemned, you believe in me, you can be alive forever. And I think that perhaps stunned him because he was just then beginning to understand what this man Jesus was bringing to him. The power of God to change his life. That's why Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's exactly what Zacchaeus was hearing that day in that house. Just he and the Lord. He was hearing the gospel. Anglias, what does that mean? He was hearing finally some good news about his own life. Paul writes, and he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel or the good news, for it is the power of God unto salvation to anyone who believes. And Zacchaeus that day discovered that. Why? Because the scriptures tell us that the word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Zacchaeus that day with the Lord, one-on-one, -on -one, was hearing the word of God and he understood, began to understand that the power of God could change his life. And it did. He walked out that door. And all those people who said, well, I'll believe it when I see it. They were getting ready to see it. Something changed in Zacchaeus' life. So much so that even though there could have been still doubters, he proved to them, no, something had taken place. Something had changed in his heart. And he said, I'll give back more than what I need to. I'll give half my goods to the poor. I want to do what's right. You know, that's the simplest way to estimate if someone has changed. You don't have to know a bunch of scriptures and the Bible backwards and forwards. If someone comes face to face with God and they get up from an altar or from prayer and the only words they can say is, I just want to do the right thing. You know, something has happened in their heart. That's the power of God. So what does it mean for us? Well, the same thing that I've been kind of saying throughout this morning. The power of God is what always 
brings about a change in our lives. Our rehabilitative efforts don't work. They do for a while, for a, for a period of time. But if they worked forever, we would only have one New Year's, New Year's resolution and we would never have to revisit it each year. We don't have that ability. But it's the power of God that can change our hearts and help us to understand what it is that we need to do and, 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 and how we can do it to please God. It's like God told Jeremiah, asking this question, he said, is not my word like a fire? Is not my word like a hammer that can break rock in pieces? Of course it is. But the scriptures teach us today as God's people that our faith and our belief should not be in the wisdom or power of men. But Paul specifically says our faith should be in the power of God. And he later writes what captures this. It's Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was at the front. Then there were others. Then there was you and there was me. When Paul writes this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Zacchaeus came out and he was different. Therein lies, again, our understanding of the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the words that you preserve for us that we can think and ponder and learn. I thank you especially for this occasion you preserve for us. We read it, we learn from it, but oh, so often our minds go back to how we ourselves discovered the power of God was able to give us relief, forgiveness, cleansing, strength, confidence. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that needs that, that they would not try to do it themselves. They would simply call upon you and ask for your power to come into their heart and lives as Zacchaeus did. And we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close. If you have a need in your life, you certainly, you can, where you are, you stand. You can ask God to help you in your heart as you're singing a hymn, holding a hymnal, sitting in the pew. Or you can come forward, kneel at an altar, doesn't matter. God will meet you wherever you want to find him. So as we sing, Brother Ian. 607. 607. There is coming a day when no hope.